This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. With us today on the show is Deacon David Ludwikowski, and we will be talking about the Christmas star. Deacon Ludwikowski is originally from Toledo, Ohio, and he has both a bachelor's and master's degree in geology from the University of Toledo. He and his wife Donna have been living in the Baltimore area for the last 19 years. Deacon Dave is a physical science instructor teaching astronomy and earth science at the Community College of Baltimore County's Catonsville campus, and he's worked in the Benjamin Banneker Planetarium since 2005 and has been its director since 2014. He was ordained to the diaconate in 2013 and is currently signed at Our Lady of Victory in Arbutus. Welcome to the show, Deacon Dave. Thank you, Chris. Even though the story of the Magi and the Star is usually proclaimed on the Feast of the Epiphany in January, we're broadcasting this show in Advent. So to set the scene, will you begin with a reading from the Gospel of Matthew that tells us about the visit of the Magi? Sure. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written through the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may go and do him homage. After their audience with the king, they set out. And behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. That's probably the first story that most of us ever heard about astronomers, right? I mean, <laughs> as we were growing up and we hear this in the liturgy, uh, probably didn't even realize that they were astronomers. What got you into astronomy? I actually had an uncle who, my dad's brother was a World War II vet. He had no more than a high school education, but he read every book that Isaac Asimov, the science fiction writer and fact writer, ever wrote, and bought his own telescope and started doing his own stargazing. So a very uh, well-educated man who uh, was basically a postal letter carrier for his career. And I would go, go over to see him and my aunt, and he'd say, come on, let's go out in the backyard and do some uh, looking. And that would be a conversation where they would come over and visit us as well. Uh, so I just always had that interest. Uh, 
as an amateur astronomer, even though I eventually went into geology, majored in geology, but it, it never left. And growing up in the age of the Apollo moon missions, uh, you know, seeing that on TV was always exciting. So just following that ever since and always being, uh, so being able to teach astronomy starting in Toledo uh, part-time and then uh, looking for a full-time job and coming out here and then being asked after a couple of years that I worked here, do you want to work in a planetarium? Uh, was really something that was pretty neat to do that, and just to be able to kind of get paid to share my love of the knowledge of astronomy, but then also to be able to incorporate uh, the aspects of my faith in there from time to time too. That must be tough to do though, to, to bring your faith into a, a very public secular university and college where you're working here at, at Community College in Baltimore County. How do you link those together? Uh, I try to do it in a very open, uh, definitely non-confrontational way, things like that, to present you know, things the way that they are uh, you know, from a scientific standpoint and saying that, okay, this is one possibility of what the science says it could be based on what the readings in scripture are, what we have in historical writings that we kind of combine in that respect, uh, what else we know from other uh, historical astrologers scientists like Johannes Kepler and that, what, what they have come to, and what is one possible plausible explanation for what we think the Christmas star was. Obviously there are gaps, there are nothing that is definite in that respect in terms of uh, years or dates, but we can get a reasonable idea based on the information that we have. So I say this is one plausible explanation, there are many others that are out there. Mm -hmm. Where'd you come up with the idea for the Christmas show that you now present in, uh, at, at the planetarium here? Before we had our current digital planetarium that opened in 2015, we had an old analog, probably some folks are familiar with the old star ball that was basically a metal sphere that had holes poked in it that they shined a light through. And my uh, predecessor, uh, who since retired, had an old 35 millimeter slideshow that he did. And the story was based on what an astronomer at the uh, Royal Observatory in Toronto did back, back in 1970. And he had uh, what was couple possibilities, the one uh, possibility based on scripture and what was uh, visible at around that time period, what we think that Jesus' birth was, we go into that in the show, and kind of the alignment of uh, the different planets and stars into certain constellations and tying that to uh, Jewish culture, Jewish history. You know, what the, and again, they were astrologers, they weren't, you could call them wise men, but they observe the stars. That was a very common thing that was done in the, in the days of uh, ancient Jerusalem. We kind of put things in the context of possibly a planetary conjunction with Jupiter and Saturn, Jupiter being for a king, and Pisces being important in the Jewish religion as far as washing and water, the water bearer, and Leo the lion and the, the uh, star Regulus as bright as stars, the king's star. So they put all these things together, it makes a possible plausible explanation that uh, these groupings of planets that would come periodically, in fact, I think we saw one that was either last Christmas or Christmas before that was in the news right around Christmas, that was the Christmas star. Uh, they come so close together, you can't distinguish from the naked eye. So they thought, okay, it was one bright star. And the fact that uh, this particular conjunction with Jupiter and Saturn occurred several times over one year could have plausibly led these, uh, astrologers to say 
okay, this is where it is. It led us to this place. This is what our writings tell us in our culture and our history. Mm -hmm. so. As a deacon, uh, you can preach at Mass. Have you had occasion to preach about this on the Feast of the Epiphany and kind of bringing together not just what's in Scripture, but also what's in you, what you know from astronomy and earth sciences? I actually, I actually have. That's awesome. And actually have. And I actually brought, would, would bring in a little bit of additional information I found since I put this show together and adapted it for the Digital Planetarium that the uh, theologian Scott Hahn has even said that he's uh, written a book a lot about this and said that uh, St. John Chrysostom even has said that possibly the star wasn't were angels. We hear about the angels in Luke's account of the shepherds. Mm -hmm. We cover that in the show and it said the star could have possibly been angels that appeared as a star. So a number of different possibilities. It's interesting. It's just interesting to kind of look at this and to kind of share that with the people but like I said in a non-religious way, and then even in my classes, once in a while I might come up with my faith is. It isn't something I really publicly talk about. But I'll, I'll share it with the students if they're interested, and I just say, okay, you know, we have our beliefs, and then we have what science says, and sometimes they mesh, sometimes they don't. So I said, this is what I think, this is what I believe. You guys may have something different. So. And when you've done that as a homily, What's the, been the reaction that you get from your parishioners? Generally really positive because it's a little, little bit of an educational aspect of that. So, I mean, it's uh, like any hobby, it's designed to kind of teach them a little bit of a lesson just to say, okay, maybe think about this a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Maybe you've asked these questions. You know, Scripture only tells us so much, but you may have asked yourself, you know, what really was this? What was going on? And if it gets uh, people to think a little more deeply about their faith or to maybe to read up on it further, you know, great. That's a good thing. Yeah. Well, after the break, we're going to talk some more with Deacon David Lubukowski about astronomy and the Christmas star. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with a Catholic Review. When Washington Cardinal Wilton D. Gregory blessed a parish's cemetery memorial plaque honoring the unknown enslaved people buried there, November 26th, he noted the poignancy of his participation in the service at St. Peter Claver Parish in St. Inigo's. Quote, I can't help but think that the many people buried here without a marker had to wait for an African-American cardinal to bless that memorial honoring them. End quote. He said, as dozens of people of different backgrounds and ages gathered around him to join in the prayer service held at the parish, first established as a mission in the early 1900s for black Catholics in that region who had experienced segregation at a nearby Catholic church. Cardinal Gregory, who became the first African-American cardinal in 2020, read the prayers of blessing in an emotional voice as the people around him bowed their heads in prayer while standing on the grounds of the rural southern Maryland parish. 
After the service, he said it was, quote, terribly emotional to be able to stand here and bless these graves of former slaves. It put me in touch with my own roots, end quote. He said he has discovered in the Washington Archdiocese, especially in Southern Maryland, quote, is that the faith that sustained these people was the same strength of faith that sustained the early Christians because they were suffering. It's the same strength of faith that is present here that was present then, end quote. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. And Pope Francis commemorated the November 25th International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm Kevin Parks. We're back on Catholic Review Radio talking with Deacon David Ludwikowski about astronomy and the Christmas star. Deacon David is a physical science instructor teaching astronomy and earth science at the Community College of Baltimore County's Catonsville campus. In general, how does astronomy help us better understand the universe? Humans have always wondered why we're here, where we're at, so it kind of, again, it kind of blends between science and faith in that respect. Uh, it's the whole aspect of exploration. You know, it goes back to our ancient forebears thousands of years ago wanting to go to that next hill or that next ridge, and just because it's there, we always want to learn more about ourselves. And I think it's just that innate sense of, again, trying to understand who we are, why we're here, what's our purpose here, and just to kind of learn in that respect, to always want to learn, to always want to try to learn new things that we're never maybe not necessarily an American aspect, but we just always want to learn more, to be better, to, to, to go that much further, to mm -hmm. not just be kind of content where, where we are. And uh, maybe in some respects that might be considered, some might say, okay, maybe that's the way we're trying to find God. Yeah. There's been some aspects of some astronomers that have said that as well. So, uh, yeah, one, so of the, one of the best uh, observatories in the world is the Vatican Observatory. Yes. So they're already on top of this stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then that, that always goes back to, of course, the Galileo and the church. But uh, I think the church finally realized after that, once everything took off, what he uncovered with his telescope, uh, they realized that this is a whole new way of looking at the world. And it's not necessarily saying what was uh, thought before was wrong. It's just we got to look at it differently. Mm -hmm. And that's what we always try to say with science is that we learn new things. We have to change our line of thinking. What's going on? So that that's how we advance, and that's how we uh, progress in terms of the species. How do tools like the Hubble telescope and the new James Webb Space Telescope? How do they help us essentially see into the past and get a better understanding of what's going on? That's probably one of the toughest concepts to understand in astronomy. What I try to you know convey to my students that way. Uh, we actually have a full dome movie show that was put out several years ago called. Uh, two small pieces of glass and telescopes and it takes us through all that. And the one neat thing that the narrator says is that telescopes can be considered time machines. You know, that were, and again, part of the hardest concept to understand is that these huge distances that we have, you know, we're, we're used to th thinking of things in terms of miles, kilometers, whatever else. And then when we start talking about these light years, and in a sense we've got to create a bigger yardstick or a bigger meter stick to talk about this, uh, you have to kind of put it in a sense that we can understand. And the fact that we're looking, in a sense, back in time and having uh, students understand that, okay, 
we're seeing this object as it looked when the light left it, not the way it is now. So lots of things could have changed in thousands of years and millions of years since that light left it. It could no longer be there. We right. just don't know. Uh, but it really, ever since Hubble came out 100 years ago with saying that, okay, this group of stars that we're in that we think is this galaxy is not just the universe. It's only one small part of it, so that big leap forward that we had. Uh, we realize what technology can tell us, and it answers so many questions, but then raises 30, 40, 50 more, because nature's always surprising us. Right, right. You talked a little bit about this before the break, but is there any way to know definitively what that astronomical event was that the Magi saw that led them to the Messiah? Is, I mean, is there, is there any way to really look back on that? Not from what I've seen. I said nothing definitive because, in a sense, we still don't have the exact date of Christ's birth pinpointed. True. Which exactly. is that. So we it saw, wasn't December 25th, the year zero. No, <laughs> no. But you know, one of the things that we, we explore in, in the show is that we look and say, okay, one of the reasons the Christians probably chose that is because the pagans had their solstice celebrations. And at the time, uh, they, were, they, weren't still, they weren't practicing the faith openly, so they thought, okay, we can practice our faith. They're so busy celebrating their faith or something, we can kind of sneak in and do this here, and nobody's going to be the wiser or even bother us about it. And even this, trying to use the events from Scripture to try even uh, to backtrack a little bit and say, okay, what was going on at the time, time of the crucifixion and the resurrection? You know, they said that there was a, a lunar eclipse that was going on, or, sol or actually probably a solar eclipse because the sky was darkened. Right. And they try to look, okay, what kind of solar eclipses were present at that time, which astronomy is kind of neat. What we can do is we can kind of backtrack a time. We could do that in the digital planetarium and say, okay, if this happened then, uh, with Herod being... When, when Herod died, what was going on, and just putting the pieces together and trying to say, okay, we can narrow it down, but we still can't necessarily pinpoint it to a specific day in the year. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I mean, there are certainly Roman historians who have written about Christ from a secular point of view from yeah. that time period. Oh, yeah. You know, as, and so there are, there are benchmarks you can, you can give, but it's not always going to be uh, terribly precise the way yeah. we might be able to date things today. Uh, there's, a, there's an old story uh, by a, a Protestant minister, uh, Henry Van Dyke, who talks about the other wise man. And he conjectures, and it's purely conjecture, um, what if there was a fourth wise man? Uh, and, and the story goes that uh, he was late to his rendezvous with his other three friends who were astronomers who were going to go seek the light and seek the king. And he was late because he stopped to help somebody along the way. Um, and so he's late all the way through. He keeps trying to follow them, keeps trying to find the light, uh, and yet he, he doesn't find it until he's there at, at Calvary. How do you look at this story, which is a kind of a scientific story about the stars and certain planetary configurations and that? How do you look at that and help people understand that really what we're talking about is searching for the source of the light? Not really what the light is itself, which planet it was, but who and what is the source of the light. How do you help people understand that? To get you try to humanize it, if anything. You try to put it in some kind of context that they can understand. And it said, if that we're searching for light among the darkness, I mean, how much scripture talks about that, that Christ was the light in the darkness, the evil in the world. Uh, you know, we have that theme throughout scripture. We have it in our sacraments. We have it with baptism. You know, we have it with our Easter vigil. Uh, and you try to kind of put that into context so that 
uh, even as how we do my teaching, you know, try to take something that's complex and put it in the terms that people can understand. Uh, and again, in some respects, it's not that much different from things in a homily. You may find something in scripture that's kind of complex. How many of the mysteries that we have in our faith that are complex, and we try to make those somewhat simpler. Uh, even St. Patrick using the, 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 uh, the clover, you know, <laughs> the shamrock for the Trinity. Uh, so you, you, you try to do that as much as you can. Well, tell us a little bit about the Christmas Star Show that the Planetarium at the Community College of Baltimore County is going to offer December 16th. What's that uh, show about, and how can people attend? Well, again, it's based on what this uh, astronomer, uh, R.C. King, had said the Royal Astronomy in Toronto did years ago. And it's kind of a condensed version of that. And we look, and just like we did with the broadcast today, we start with scripture passage. We have some appropriate music that's with this as background. There is a fair amount of narration that's involved with this, but we also have you know, different scenes that we use. We call panoramas that we use on a 30-foot dome. And we kind of set the stage for, okay, what was the time like back then? In some respects, it's changed a lot in the Middle East. Uh, we have software that we can use, that kind of virtual journey. It's kind of a geology geography software that we use called uh, Layered Earth. So we can say, okay, here we are now. Let's go to where the Middle East is. Uh, how similar in respects is still a desert. There's still areas that are remote uh, compared back then. And obviously it took much longer time to travel than it does now. And we look at first say, okay, what are the possibilities this could have been? Could it have been a comet? Could it have been a fireball and a meteor shower? Could it have even been a UFO? You know, there's, there's always that thing that we- Or a host of angels. Yeah, yeah, we, 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 just, we just don't know. We say uh, possibly a supernova. And we kind of bring the astronomy into that and say that uh, events that maybe we're seeing there weren't necessarily recorded then, but we see evidence that similar events the Chinese recorded. The Chinese were very good at recording things back in ancient history. We learned a lot from them, as well as uh, the different Arabic cultures as well that we learned from them, especially in the Dark Ages. And we say, okay, we look at that, and then we say, let's try to put again, the time period in the context when this was. And we say, all right, 4 BC, 7 BC, and we start looking at the ancient writers, the Roman writers, and said, okay, what did they say about this? And then we kind of progress forward a little bit in time and say, uh, how do we take that and where do we go from there? And we look at the, uh, what do they call them, astronomer, but more the, the scientist, uh, mysticist Johannes Kepler, the one that was uh, originally tasked by his uh, uh, mentor Tycho Brahe to figure out the uh, orbit of Mars. You know, Mar Mars is a little bit different than the Earth. And he goes on and, and makes up his laws that apply to everything in the universe in terms of how things are motion, so that how we learn things in celestial mechanics today goes back to him. But he had an interest in uh, scripture even though I think he was more Protestant in Germany, whatever else, and looking back in the writings in the history and saying, wait a minute, let's look and see how these planets were arranged in these conjunctions or whatever and see, and what he thought the motions were, and he said, okay, this is gonna be visible on Christmas now. This is what could be, and he sees these regular occurrences going back and he traces it back through history, again, without computers. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, this is what could have happened. And then you have some more modern day uh, 
uh, what I call investigators or whatever, what I call them, theologians or whatever, that say, okay, looking back what they did, let's start putting some of these pieces together and here's a plausible explanation. Uh, I'm trying to think of the, the author of the book that I talk about, but the book is called The Bible is History and, and puts this in a context and saying, okay, based on the Jewish tradition the faith, based on the alignment of the planets that was here, at that time, what these three wise men probably would have seen at a certain time, and then realize that this conjunction grouping of planets was the first of many. When they occurred in terms of the Jewish calendar, that was significant. They started putting these things together and saying, this is significant. And the fact that they saw it and it led them westward from where they were, somewhere in the, in the, in the Far East, and to Bethlehem, again, based on what their scripture and their history was. Mm -hmm. So, How can people attend the show? Nice thing about the show is the CCBC, they're free to the public, they've always been free. Uh, we can go to our website, ccbcmd.edu, and basically just type planetarium in the search box and come to our, our web page. And it has information on there because in addition to public shows that we do, uh, these are one weekend a month, we also do free shows for school groups. So there's information on there in case someone may have a child or something. If the school has money for a field trip to go, we've got a variety of shows that we do. But you can look at that and uh, see the, uh, when, when the show is. And uh, we don't require reservations. Uh, we did during COVID, but now things kind of relaxed. We don't do that. But in uh, uh, show's about an hour. We just know maybe a little bit less than that. And then we always have plenty of time for questions and answers or if people want to see some additional uh, things that the planetarium can do, you know, special requests we always take. Sounds like a great show. And that is December 16th yes. here at the Catonsville campus of the uh, Community College of Baltimore County. We have been talking today with Deacon Dave Ludwikowski about astronomy and the Christmas star. Thank you so much for being with us today and happy Advent. Thank you, Chris. Same to you. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Review Radio. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.